Our first panel is how conversational AI reshapes the customer experience. This is going to be moderated by Glenn Grossman, who's the Director of Research at Cornerstone Advisors, and he's joined by David Foyer, Chief Product Officer at Galileo, and Scott Herbert, SVP, Digital Channels Director at Provident Bank. Most of us think of AI and we think about Forbes according to Forbes, it's a reality, not just an ambition. Customer acquisition, deeper personalization, cost savings, as Nigel was just saying at QED, less churn, and of course, efficiency. I'm hoping you're going to take us deeper into this conversation. Thank you very much. All right, welcome everyone to our panel. Uh, we're going we're to skip the additional introductions, go right into the questions. So, first question is for David uh, How do conversational AI tools uh, elevate that customer experience? more so than the conversational bots that many of us have experienced. Yeah, so I think uh, taking a step back for a second, I think if we think about the customer experience uh, with conversational AI tools, most of them are frustrating. Most of them are, I'm forced into this experience where I have to have a chat uh, with, a, with a somebody that, that, or something that pretends to be human, and it doesn't really understand my problem, and I'm forced to go through that flow before I can actually get a human on the phone. And so right. I'm trying to get through that conversation as quickly as possible to actually talk to the agent. And I think if we take a step back and we look at the, the opportunity for a second, the opportunity is that you have a customer that has a specific problem, and if you can get to what that problem is and solve it, you can actually do that in a better way, in a more accurate way, and in a faster way than a human can. So the opportunity to elevate the experience is really about if, if, if I have a customer and I understand their intent, and I can better represent uh, what the bank is, br or what the fintech is bringing to the table, and how they're going to help prop up that customer and build trust in that relationship, and help really solve the problem faster, better, more accurately, and empathetically. I think that's a, a better experience than talking to a human, as opposed to being a worse experience that, that the, the customer is forced to suffer through. Yeah. So, Scott, you, um, you may give a little more information about your role so they understand where you're coming from, but how do some, uh, how, taking the view from a financial institution, you know, where do you see the role of these intelligent digital assistants really in 2023? Where do, where do you guys see that? Sure. So I work at a bank, which is also exciting, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, um, it is, is in some ways. But uh, so I think the promise of this, and I think promise is the, is the right word, uh, an opportunity is to meet customers where they are um, and to be able to solve those problems in ways that the structure of a mobile app or a phone call aren't as good at, at doing. Um, and I think that we need to look at this as simultaneously an extension of your brand and staff as well as a product that you manage. And though, as, as product managers in the room are well aware, you have to have appropriate KPIs around those things to measure the success of what you're doing. And I think um, when banks and other companies uh, identify the problems that they're trying to solve um, and put success metrics behind those and uh, present the solution for what it is and for the purposes that it's intended to solve, then you begin to make progress in very concrete ways. And I think that's the next step is we all have to identify how to make use of this uh, in ways that make us look good and solve the need for the customer. Yeah. 
So making use of it at your institution, um, I, I have a question I want to, want, I want to talk about how the executive leadership is thinking about this, but if you could take a, for a moment, you, you talked about it as being a product and metrics, you know, uh, it, you know what, what are some of those key things, these key metrics you know, that you want to achieve, and, and let, maybe if you could touch too, and this crosses over into the boardroom uh, conversation, what are the risks and concerns that you've, you would have with, uh, with of a deployment of a digital assistant? Well, sure, so I think um, there's a lot in, in that question. Yeah, um, we have 15 minutes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so, you know, first of all, I think we should, um, you know, give credit to the C-suite where, you know, good business cases have opportunities to get um, approved. Um, and it's on us to identify and write good business plans around that. Um, and I think that the, um, you know, the product itself has to align to what the strategy of the organization is. Um, we are not built, banks are not here to create AI assistance for to be cool, that's not what we're doing. Um, so there could be things like we're growing our organization through um, entering a new market. And so we want to present ourselves in a metro market and have this uh, you know, assistant there. We may be acquiring customers via an acquisition and they're gonna have lots of questions, so we want to onboard them. Um, there may be uh, new products that are complex that we want to develop. So there's these business drivers and you need to attach these solutions to solve the main problems of the organization. And then after that, you have metrics about, is this a good, you know, assistant? You know, I think that's the top-down approach we yeah. need to take. Yeah. Scott, you know, I think it's super interesting. If, if I think about uh, empathy and empathy in the customer relationship, you know, in the context of KPIs as a, as a product person myself, uh, you know, frequently when I'm talking to C-suite uh, or board level folks about conversational AI and, and intelligent digital assistants, they're really thinking in the context of cost containment, right? How do I, how do, I do call containment and reduce the costs of, of my contact center? But part of the challenge that I see today is really, uh, how do I start to think about the next generation of consumers that really don't ever want to talk to a human and would much prefer to have a chat interface? And how do I do, uh, do a handoff in chat between, let's say, an intelligent digital assistant and, you know, and a human in such a way that it's, it's a seamless handover, the human is still in the chat interface responding, the customer service agent, but of course they're doing that in a way that's empathetic because they have a conversation summary, pick, they, they pick up where the, the digital assistant left off and uh, it's done with the customer at the center of the experience versus the customer being burdened with re-explaining where they're at or, or being burdened with, with context switching and providing the context for the, the live agent. So I think there's an opportunity around the next generation of users and what the next generation of users expect in terms of support and in terms of interface. And there's also the whole uh, omni-channel approach which says, you know, maybe it's not just a, a, a chat interface on my website. Maybe it's in my app, maybe it's in WhatsApp, maybe it's something that interfaces with my CRM system so that I understand uh, where that customer is at. And I think part of that goes back to, you know, what you were saying about, about brand. I think brand is much more than your logo. Brand is how you position your company and how people feel about your company. And so is my digital assistant really reflecting my brand? Is it sort of giving, is it transmitting the experience and being empathetic in a way that you would want to, you'd, you'd want to trust it to do that? Yeah. Well, exactly. If your brand is we give great advice and then you just simply flatly answer 
where's your branch located? Boom, there it is. You're not following up with, why do you need a branch today? Like, what is it that you're trying to do? Let me help you. I can help you right now. You know? Or there's other types of things where you have the opportunity to probe what's behind the question and to get to that uh, solution. And that's what uh, conversational AI can do better than an app can do. Um, and the tie-in between the insane amount of data that an assistant can have and the ability to communicate in a conversational way is what sort of is the difference between speaking with someone and using an app to do it. Um, and finding where that works is really the secret sauce, right? So, so Scott, I, I wanted to, since you spend more time uh, at the executive level, and you could speak broadly for community banks or regional banks, you know, where are some of the um, conversations you think that the, from this, you know, do we invest now? Do we wait and see? Uh, where, where do you see, uh, you know, the, that region, of the, the regional banks and the community banks thinking about digital assistance in 2023? Well, you know, I, I'm not a, I don't have special insight in, into the economy and where that's going to go over the next six months. And um, I, I think that people are being wanting to spend uh, their dollars in ways that help them now and leverage them in the future. Um, and so if you can do something that is a building block, then, then that can weather the storm of what might be or may not be coming. So I think I see some of those things, and that's why it's always good to embed these uh, initiatives into other things that you know are very important for the company. Um, so I think that's important. Uh, you know, I think there's a... I don't know, the, the hype cycle or, or whatever the technology curve and all the different you know, consultants speak around the, that, <laughs> that people are aware of. And, um, and so that's why it's so important to be self-aware in terms of what you're really expecting to do uh, with something. And the other thing I think that's really important um, when you go to, say, the C-suite is to not go there by yourself, you know, someone like me or a colleague just sort of show up one day and be like, we ought to do a, an assistant. I think you need to, you might get uh, something out of that, um, but you need to do two things. One, um, you need to uh, not go in with a, hey, everyone else is doing it, so we should too, which is I think probably about 50% of our business cases that we've probably done in this space broadly. Um, and the other thing is you need to build a coalition internally that represents the customer. Uh, maybe as a product owner, you sit at the center of that, but you're bringing your um, call center, your CX, your technology, your compliance, really already as a team uh, behind that. And that gives you the opportunity to say, listen, we have a reasonable chance of succeeding with this. And I think C-suites want are like probably challenging us in the room more than us saying to them, I wish you'd just be more hip to this. I don't think that's really the way it is. The challenge is, well, okay, what are you gonna do with it? And so I think if you provide that kind of tangible, oh, I get it, we can succeed with it, I've got a reasonable chance to do it, I think there's a lot of motivation to, to take some next steps. So Dave, I've got one for you now. So, so if we look at banking and financial services, we, we are a diverse country. We've got diverse segments and things like that. 
And if we, as institutions, we, we create lines of businesses, we do lots of things. How do you see digital assistants, intelligent digital assistants, really stepping up to address these different diversity of customers and needs? Because small businesses versus the corporation or retail customer, they're different. So if I think about sort of the, the rapid uh, acceleration of technology over the last 10 to 15 years with the internet economy and sort of customer expectations uh, significantly being raised as a result of social media and CRM databases and hyper-personalized and localized experiences, uh, consumer expectations are such that they want their bank to be there when they want the bank to be there and right. to disappear when they don't. They expect the bank to be intimately aware of all sorts of aspects of their life while safeguarding privacy and not being too intrusive. It's almost an impossible tension between the bank needs to know me, but also I need to be anonymous. And so the question is, how can banks leverage the trust position that they have with customers in order to get as much information as they can about the customer while keeping the customer at the centerpiece of that relationship? So leveraging AI in a responsible way that says, here's how I'm going to put your data at work for you so that I can recommend a better lending product for where you are. I can recommend a better way for you to save, deposit, borrow, whatever it is that you're doing with that bank or, or technology firm. And so, you know, the real question is, can we take all these sources of information and get them to work for customers, regardless of the walk of life of that customer? And as we think about digital and sort of the fact that customers used to spend a whole bunch of time uh, going around town, and so the banks established branches all around town, and now customers are spending that same time in front of a screen, how can banks make themselves available to that customer so that the bank disappears when they're not needed, but when they are needed, they come up on the screen and make themselves available in the customer's flow? And I'm saying screen, but it could be an Amazon Alexa, it could be an Apple Watch, it could be a third-party experience that the customer expects their bank to be in. So if I think about the different walks of life and the plethora of products that a bank's bank might have, the ability to look across those products understand your behavior and adoption and use that to provide you better service is a completely different proposition than, let's say, a retailer who might want to use that to drive more sales or drive more product movement or better targeting for their, their uh, marketing campaigns. Yeah. So we all know in the audience, financial products are different than buying a t-shirt. So um, my emotion when buying a t-shirt is very different than I'm stressing about why something in my transactions is missing. So sentiment, let's talk about that for a moment, the complex nature of that and servicing that. Sure, so um, I guess I'll comment and then uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say, Scott. If I think about sentiment, uh, part of the way that we really work to make our, our, our intelligent digital assistant empathetic and really drive the customer's brand forward is to say, I understand the context of a customer, which isn't necessarily just what experience they're, uh, they're currently getting or how they're currently interacting with me, but also what behaviors we've seen in their account over the last X amount of time, how old that customer might be, what culture that customer might be from, and trying to customize the experience and really creating a tailored, personalized experience for that customer so that, in fact, they have a more trusted relationship coming out of the conversation versus a less trusted relationship because it's the bank going the extra mile in order to be customer empathetic, customer sensitive, and, and really sort of tailoring the experience to the needs of that specific customer. And that engenders a, a certain amount of 
trust and relationship that really benefits the bank. Because uh, back to the, the, the digital versus sort of physical branch banking example, uh, in the digital world, everything is very anonymous and very cold and very removed. And so banks and, and fintechs, in my experience, are looking for the opportunity to inject that personalization into the digital relationship. And so creating that sort of empathetic experience with, uh, by understanding the way that the, the customer is interacting with you and by understanding the situation that that customer is in helps us inject that context into the relationship, which then creates more trust versus a lot of, uh, a lot of the behaviors we just talked about, which might, might create less trust. Yeah. Scott, you want to add? Well, I'll, I'll say... I agree with you, and um, let's just say you and your special person are having a discussion about your New Year's resolution to eat out less, and it's April, and you have a disagreement about how much that you've been doing now, unless one of you is a sort of money hawk, mint person constantly tracking, would you call up your bank to be like, how many times did I eat out at a restaurant? I gotta tell this person that, you know, probably wouldn't do it, and or you got to kind of look through your statements, and all, or you could just ask a chatbot and then get the answer sort of instantly charted to you. That's kind of the wow factor, that, that, that conversation and the ability to provide that data, which is very interesting. Um, and in that way that you can generate content, a bank can do that, that does that. That's, what, that's why we're so excited, is generative stuff. So we were having a conversation a couple minutes ago, Glenn, about you teach a class. Yes. Um, many classes and about business planning. And I said, I would get ChatGPT to write a business plan and you grade it. And you're like, yeah, that's like a C. And I'm like, that's so cool. It's just a phone, yeah. you know? And uh, it's a wild thing. And so, but banks do not want to just generate all kinds of stuff, right? Because we're supposed to be very, you know, measured, right? We're regulated, so you can't do that. So that data infusion gives you the ability to generate and gives you the ability to have that wow and that sentiment that then creates the ability to be like, oh, they, they got that right. I guess I have been eating out a little bit too much. You're right, <laughs> yeah. kind of moment. So I know we're heading into the last few minutes here. Yeah, but, uh, would, would, I'm so, we're new to this. So are questions supposed to show up on here? If they are. For your digital assistance programs that you have in place, how are you measuring the, the success from the customer's perspective? And, and have you seen it progressively? Have you seen those digital assistance programs improve from the customer's perspective over time? Scott, why don't you kick it off with, with how you think about success, and then happy to talk about my experience with other clients. Sure, sure. Well, I think you have to have some top-level metrics. So you might want to look at whether or not you are changing behavior enough mm -hmm. to change interactions in your other channels. My guess is you're not going to see that. My guess is you're going to generate more interactions. Um, I don't know that you're going to, suddenly people are going to stop using your app less or even call quite as less. Um, but I think when we open up new ways of communicating, we increase the amount of inter interactions we get. And that's why I think it's so important to direct this in a way that's value added. 
um, as probably the long-term use case versus something where you're just gonna, you're not going to shut down your mobile app. You, you, I mean, it's been 20 years of apps, and we still have people calling on the telephone and typing in their things, and that's not going away anytime soon. So, you know, I think that's that's probably where it is important to look. In my experience, I've seen clients actually use two different approaches. The first is obviously the cost containment metrics, right? About call, you know having to do with call containment, cost savings, and all of that, which is great. And of course, there's CSAT and NPS and the more traditional metrics where you can ask customers how was that experience and they can rate it. But at the end of the day, Scott, I think you, you, you hinted towards something really important, which is, to see, which is to say, if you see increased engagement, then you did over a telephone call. That means that the customer is getting something out of it, and they're getting more out of it than they were through previous means or, or alternate means of, of interacting with you. So the increased engagement metrics is incredibly important and shows you that you're on the right path. According to the clock, we have only a few seconds left, but maybe we could squeeze this question in. So there, um, there's a question about uh, people who don't want to talk. And I thought we've been talking about humanizing the digital side here. Uh, could you maybe illustrate a nice handoff between digital assistants and the human side of banking? Real humans. <laughs> well, sure. I think. Um I, th I think it needs to recognize the sentiment when someone's getting frustrated with the experience and, and move them over there. There could be any number of colorful statements people could make that you might want to immediately move them um, there. And I think the thing, though, about not wanting to talk is people are forced to talk because in the app it's what you can accomplish with what you can click on or tap on. and. Uh, if you're trying to open up a custodial account for one of your kids and you want to have a question about how that would work, that requires a conversation. Or if you're trying to, you know, you are on an account with someone who's passed away and you're trying to get through that, that requires a conversation with empathy. And so, you know, those are the types of use cases that, and those are not easy necessarily to solve, so it's important to find the ones that make the biggest difference for you and the customer. Well, I think we're technically out of time, if, uh, if I'm correct. So, uh, sorry we did not get to all the questions, but you're a great audience. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's give a hand to our panelists here. Thank you.